Chapter Two of Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel, by Guy de Maupassant. Translator unknown. Chapter Two. Madame Forestier where does monsieur forestier live third floor on the left said the porter pleasantly on learning du roi's destination georges ascended the staircase he was somewhat embarrassed and ill at ease he had on a new suit but he was uncomfortable he felt that it was defective his boots were not glossy. He had bought his shirt that same evening at the Louvre for four francs fifty. His trousers were too wide, and betrayed their cheapness in their fit, or rather misfit, and his coat was too tight. Slowly he ascended the stairs, his heart beating his mind anxious. Suddenly, before him, stood a well-dressed gentleman staring at him. The person resembled Duroy, so close that the latter retreated, then stopped, and saw that it was his own image reflected in a pier-glass. Not having anything but a small mirror at home, he had not been able to see himself entirely, and had exaggerated the imperfections of his toilette. When he saw his reflection in the glass, he did not even recognise himself. He took himself for someone else, for a man of the world, and was really satisfied with his general appearance. Smiling to himself, Duroy extended his hand and expressed his astonishment pleasure and approbation a door opened on the staircase he was afraid of being surprised and began to ascend more rapidly fearing that he might have been seen posing there by some of his friends invited guests on reaching the second floor he saw another mirror, and once more slackened his pace to look at himself. He likewise paused before the third glass, twirled his moustache, took off his hat to arrange his hair, and murmured half aloud, a habit of his, "'Hall mirrors are most convenient.' Then he rang the bell. The door opened almost immediately, and before him stood a servant in a black coat, with a grave, shaven face, so perfect in his appearance that Duroy again became confused as he compared the cut of their garments. The lackey asked, "'Whom shall I announce, monsieur?' He raised a portiere and pronounced the name. Duroy 
lost his self-possession upon being ushered into a world as yet strange to him however he advanced a young fair woman received him alone in a large well-lighted room he paused disconcerted who was this smiling lady he remembered that forestier was married and the thought that the handsome blonde was his friend's wife rendered him awkward and ill at ease he stammered out madame i am she held out her hand i know monsieur charles told me of your meeting last night and i am very glad that he asked you to dine with us to-day duroy blushed to the roots of his hair not knowing how to reply he felt that he was being inspected from his head to his feet he half thought of excusing himself of inventing an explanation of the carelessness of his toilette but he did not know how to touch upon that delicate subject he seated himself upon a chair she pointed out to him and as he sank into its luxurious depths it seemed to him that he was entering a new and charming life that he would make his mark in the world that he was saved he glanced at madame forestier she wore a gown of pale blue cashmere which clung gracefully to her supple form and rounded outlines her arms and throat rose in lily-white purity from the mass of lace which ornamented the corsage and short sleeves her hair was dressed high and curled upon the nape of her neck duroy grew more at his ease under her glance which recalled to him he knew not why that of the girl he had met the preceding evening at the folie bergere madame forestier had grey eyes a small nose full lips and a rather heavy chin an irregular attractive face full of gentleness and yet of malice after a short silence she asked have you been in paris a long time gradually regaining his self-possession he replied a few months madame i am in the railroad employ but my friend forestier has encouraged me to hope that thanks to him i can enter into journalism she smiled kindly and murmured in a low voice i know the bell rang again and the servant announced madame de marelle she was a dainty brunette attired in a simple dark robe a red rose in her black tresses seemed to accentuate her special character and a young girl or rather a child for such she was followed her madame forestier said good evening clotilde good evening madeleine they embraced each other 
then the child offered her forehead with the assurance of an adult saying good evening cousin madame forestier kissed her and then made the introductions monsieur georges du roi an old friend of charles madame de marelle my friend a relative in fact she added here you know we do not stand on ceremony du roi bowed the door opened again and a short man entered upon his arm a tall handsome woman taller than he and much younger with distinguished manners and a dignified carriage it was monsieur walter deputy financier a moneyed man and a man of business manager of la vie francaise with his wife née basile ravalade daughter of the banker of that name then came jacques rival very elegant followed by norbert de varenne the latter advanced with the grace of the old school and taking madame forestier's hand kissed it his long hair falling upon his hostess's bare arm as he did so forestier now entered apologizing for being late he had been detained the servant announced dinner and they entered the dining-room du roi was placed between madame de marelle and her daughter he was again rendered uncomfortable for fear of committing some error in the conventional management of his fork his spoon or of his glasses of which he had four nothing was said during the soup then norbert de varenne asked a general question have you read the gautier case how droll it was then followed a discussion of the subject in which the ladies joined then a duel was mentioned and jacques rival led the conversation that was his province duroy did not venture a remark but occasionally glanced at his neighbour a diamond upon a slight golden thread depended from her ear from time to time she uttered a remark which evoked a smile upon his lips du roi sought vainly for some compliment to pay her he busied himself with her daughter filled her glass waited upon her and the child more dignified than her mother thanked him gravely saying you are very kind monsieur while she listened to the conversation with a reflective air the dinner was excellent and every one was delighted with it the conversation returned to the colonization of algeria monsieur walter uttered several jocose remarks forestier alluded to the article he had prepared for the morrow jacques rival declared himself in favour of a military government with grants of land to all the officers after thirty years of colonial service 
in that way said he you can establish a strong colony familiar with and liking the country knowing its language and able to cope with all those local yet grave questions which invariably confront newcomers norbert de varenne interrupted yes they would know everything except agriculture they would speak arabic but they would not know how to transplant beetroot and how to sow wheat they would be strong in fencing but weak in the art of farming on the contrary the new country should be opened up to everyone intelligent men would make positions for themselves the others would succumb it is a natural law a pause ensued everyone smiled georges duroy startled at the sound of his own voice as if he had never heard it said what is needed the most down there is good soil really fertile land costs as much as it does in france and is bought by wealthy parisians the real colonists the poor are generally cast out into the desert where nothing grows for lack of water all eyes turned upon him he coloured monsieur walter asked do you know algeria sir he replied yes sir i was there twenty-eight months leaving the subject of colonization norbert de varenne questioned him as to some of the algerian customs georges spoke with animation excited by the wine and the desire to please he related anecdotes of the regiment of arabian life and of the war madame walter murmured to him in her soft tones you could write a series of charming articles forestier took advantage of the situation to say to monsieur walter my dear sir i spoke to you a short while since of monsieur georges duroy and asked you to permit me to include him on the staff of political reporters since marambot has left us i have had no one to take urgent and confidential reports and the paper is suffering by it monsieur walter put on his spectacles in order to examine duroy then he said i am convinced that monsieur duroy is original and if he will call upon me to-morrow at three o'clock we will arrange matters after a pause turning to the young man he said you may write us a short sketch on algeria monsieur duroy simply relate your experiences i am sure they will interest our readers but you must do it quickly madame walter added with her customary serious grace you will have a charming title souvenirs of a soldier in africa will he not monsieur norbert 
the old poet who had attained renown late in life disliked and mistrusted newcomers he replied dryly yes excellent provided that it is written in the right key for there lies the great difficulty madame forestier cast upon duroy a protecting and smiling glance which seemed to say you shall succeed the servant filled the glasses with wine and forestier proposed the toast to the long prosperity of la vie francaise duroy felt superhuman strength within him infinite hope and invincible resolution he was at his ease now among these people his eyes rested upon their faces with renewed assurance and for the first time he ventured to address his neighbour you have the most beautiful earrings i have ever seen she turned towards him with a smile it is a fancy of mine to wear diamonds like this simply on a thread he murmured in reply trembling at his audacity it is charming but the ear increases the beauty of the ornament she thanked him with a glance as he turned his head he met madame forestier's eyes in which he fancied he saw a mingled expression of gaiety malice and encouragement all the men were talking at the same time their discussion was animated when the party left the dining-room duroy offered his arm to the little girl she thanked him gravely and stood upon tiptoe in order to lay her hand upon his arm upon entering the drawing-room the young man carefully surveyed it it was not a large room but there were no bright colours and one felt at ease it was restful the walls were draped with violet hangings covered with tiny embroidered flowers of yellow silk the portieres were of a greyish blue and the chairs were of all shapes of all sizes scattered about the room were couches and large and small easy chairs all covered with louis xvi's brocade or utrecht velvet a cream-coloured ground with garnet flowers do you take coffee monsieur duroy madame forestier offered him a cup with the smile that was always on her lips yes madame thank you he took the cup and as he did so the young woman whispered to him pay madame walter some attention then she vanished before he could reply first he drank his coffee which he feared he should let fall upon the carpet then he sought a pretext for approaching the manager's wife and commencing a conversation suddenly he perceived that she held an empty cup in her hand 
and as she was not near a table, she did not know where to put it. He rushed toward her. Allow me, madame. Thank you, sir. He took away the cup and returned. If you but knew, madame, what pleasant moments la vie française afforded me when I was in the desert. It is indeed the only paper one cares to read outside of France. It contains everything. She smiled with amiable indifference as she replied, Monsieur Walter had a great deal of trouble in producing the kind of journal which was required. They talked of Paris, the suburbs, the Seine, the delights of summer, of everything they could think of. Finally, Monsieur Norbert de Varenne advanced, a glass of liqueur in his hand, and Duroy discreetly withdrew. Madame de Marelle, who was chatting with her hostess, called him. So, sir, she said bluntly, you are going to try journalism. That question led to a renewal of the interrupted conversation with Madame Walter. In her turn, Madame de Marelle related anecdotes, and, becoming familiar, laid her hand upon Duroy's arm. He felt that he would like to devote himself to her, to protect her, and the slowness with which he replied to her questions indicated his preoccupation. Suddenly, without any cause, Madame de Marelle called, Laurine, and the girl came to her. Sit down here, my child. You will be cold near the window. Duroy was seized with an eager desire to embrace the child, as if part of that embrace would revert to the mother. He asked in a gallant yet paternal tone, "'Will you permit me to kiss you, mademoiselle?' The child raised her eyes with an air of surprise. Madame de Marelle said with a smile, "'Reply!' I will allow you to-day, monsieur, but not all the time." Seating himself, Duroy took Laurine on his knee, and kissed her lips and her fine wavy hair. Her mother was surprised. "'Well, that is strange. Ordinarily she only allows ladies to caress her. You are irresistible, monsieur.' Duroy coloured but did not reply. When Madame Forestier joined them, a cry of astonishment escaped her. Well, Laurine has become sociable. What a miracle! The young man rose to take his leave, fearing he might spoil his conquest by some awkward word. He bowed to the ladies clasped and gently pressed their hands, and then shook hands with the men. He observed that Jacques Rival's was dry and warm, and responded cordially to his pressure. Norbert de Varennes was moist and cold, and slipped through his fingers. 
Walter's was cold and soft, without life, expressionless. Forestier's fat and warm. His friend whispered to him, "'Tomorrow at three o'clock, do not forget. Never fear.' When he reached the staircase, he felt like running down. His joy was so great. He went down two steps at a time, but suddenly, on the second floor, in the large mirror, he saw a gentleman hurrying on, and he slackened his pace, as much ashamed as if he had been surprised in a crime. He surveyed himself some time with a complacent smile, then taking leave of his image, he bowed low, ceremoniously, as if saluting some grand personage. End of chapter 2 Recording by Martin Giessen In Hazelmere, Surrey